Our first scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm 95, verses 1 through 7. Hear now the word of the Lord. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. There we go. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 15 and 23 through 28. Hear now the word of the Lord. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself spotless to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this reason he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance." It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear for a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So during the year and a half that I've been here, not quite a year and a half, but getting there, I have tried hard to make sure that in everything that I do and in every time that I talk with you guys, I'm coming open. I want you all to know who I am so that I can come to know you because that's how relationships are built, is when we know each other fully. But after a year, I have to admit, there are still some things about me that might surprise some of you. Maybe Doris less so, because she's in the office with me all the time. But for most of you, uh, it might be uh, a little jarring. And one of those things is that I have a very, very eclectic and broad taste in music. I think the first time Doris heard uh, some of my favorite bands, she was surprised Um, and confused, but that's okay. It's okay. Uh, There's a part of me, to illustrate this well, 
uh, there's a part of me that has always thought it would be kind of fun to be in uh, a punk rock band, for example. Now, it doesn't take much to see that I'm not in a punk rock band. Uh, I don't quite look the part or sound the part, but it could be fun. And this is something that extends not just into playing music, but also in, in listening to music. Now, another thing about me is that I love going to concerts. When I was in high school and college, I went to a lot of them. Some big concerts in, in stadiums and some really small ones in uh, questionable venues that may have been a gas station in a previous life. Uh, I've been to more than my fair share of those and so, in 2014, I was starting to get antsy as it had been a while. So I looked it up and found that one of the uh, weirder bands, weird might be a generous way to put it, some people might say abrasive, um, but one of these bands from Philadelphia was coming to Dallas, and I thought, I want to go see them. And so I asked Kelsey, hey, do you want to go with me to this concert? And she looked at me and said, do you think that I want to go with you to this concert? And so I, I, I took that as a no. And I went to my roommates, and I asked them, hey, do you guys want to go you know, see this band that, that I like? They're going to be in Dallas. And two of them said, you're crazy. We're not going to that. And one of them said, okay, yeah, that sounds like it could be fun. And so we got in my car and made the drive from College Station up to Dallas. And as we were getting closer uh, to the venue where this was going to happen, we started questioning our decisions a little bit because this was not a great part of town. And we saw the place and thought, I don't know, I don't know about this. But we wanted to go to a concert. We were young and adventurous, and so we did. Now what you have to understand is when I say I have an interesting taste in music, it's because I like interesting music, which is why I enjoy jazz, but also I enjoy interesting lyricism, which is why I liked this particular band. Because while they weren't a Christian band, the members were themselves Christian, and they made it a point to be open and honest and genuine with their lyrics. And so I thought this would be a really cool experience. So we walked into this venue, and I immediately knew that this was going to be the kind of place where you could really get up close and personal with uh, the band and with the music, but also you had to get up close and personal with the other people who were in the room too. And as we walked in, I looked down and saw, you know, I was wearing a, a t-shirt and jeans. My friend, for whatever reason, had come in a button-up shirt, uh, tucked in. And we looked around and saw that the crowd was mostly made up of people who had, you know, full-sleeve tattoos and facial piercings. And uh, not, to, not to say anything bad about them, just we were not that. Uh, we were coming from a different place. And so we got in there and we got settled and, and waited for things to go, and the atmosphere was excited. People were excited about what was about to happen. And my friend, who was more social than me, started a conversation with someone who was standing nearby. And this person said, it's, it's just nice to come together with people who are, you know, on the same page. And I thought to myself, oh, you're, you, can, you look at me and think that I'm on the same page, that's cool. Um, but... As the concert started, I looked around and I saw people not only enjoying the music, but singing together. And as the concert went on, it all kind of built on itself so that people got swept up in what was happening. And their voices joined together. And they hit this one song 
that was focused on the idea that there was a hunger built into us for something more, that we weren't happy or satisfied with how things are because we can tell that there's got to be something better. And at the end of this song, it lingers on this refrain, what a beautiful God you must be. And as I looked around and saw all of these people from all different backgrounds, from all different walks of life, people who looked differently, who spoke differently, who carried themselves differently, all joined together in that one simple phrase, I thought to myself, what if this is what worship looks like? What if this is what our sanctuaries and our churches looked like? People from all different backgrounds coming together, united by one thing and one thing alone, and that's their trust in Christ. This was an amazing experience for me. One that I've seen a few other times, but what it made clear is that we as a church, we as the people of God, stand in a long line of worshipers that stretches all the way back to the very beginning of creation. And it's a line of worship that has always seeked or always sought to be reunited with God. This is what the author of our scripture this morning is talking about. Because see, in the world of the author, in the world that Jesus Christ came into, the way that this happened was that people had to bring sacrifices. They had to bring sacrifices of animals and things so that they could be made pure for a moment, so that they could be cleansed in the flesh for just a time and experience the presence of God. Because before you could go into the temple, you had to be made clean. You had to be washed pure. And the way that that happened was through sacrifice. The way that that happened was through offerings. But it was always fleeting and always temporary. It was never enough to cleanse the soul, even as it could cleanse the flesh. As I said, it was always only for a time. Worship was fleeting and never complete. Sacrifices were offered as an atonement for sin so that people could, for a moment, experience God's presence at the temple. But the author of our scripture this morning brings us good news. He brings us the good news that through Christ, our worship which we've so long used as a way to get closer to God, has been made perfect. Not by our own abilities, not by what we've done or anything that we do, but by what Christ has done already. Because through Christ, or because Christ was sacrificed once for all sin, no longer do we have to come and make an offering so that we can be absolved of everything that we do. Because Christ has come with an offering that's enough to cover all of it. He was sacrificed once for all people, so that no matter where you're coming from, no matter what background or how lost you think that you've been, Christ says that this is enough to cover you so that you can come and join in worship as well. 
and sacrificed once to bring salvation. As the author says, to cleanse us and our conscience of dead works so that we can serve the living God. Without having to worry about sacrifice, without having to worry about doing the work ourselves to try and make ourselves pure, all that's left for worship is to come together in joy and wonder and celebration of what God has done. See, this week, as with the previous few weeks, we're talking about the habits and the routines that we can maintain that help us to come and know the renewal that Christ has promised. The renewal that God has made possible through His Spirit that works within us. And it's unquestionable that one way that God works is through our worship. When we come together as His people, as His holy church, as a part of His body in the world, what we can come to realize is that this isn't just about you or me, but rather this is about us together as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. It's a kingdom thing after all, and we're coming together as God's kingdom on earth, as one people united by our salvation in Christ. When we come together on Sunday mornings or at points throughout the week, we can learn to build and maintain relationships. We come together to study God's word, to sing songs together, sometimes to hear a message or to talk with one another so that we can know what it means to walk side by side towards perfection, to be open to the work that the Spirit is doing within us and also through us. And we can be prepared in this time to go out and do work. It's like in your body, the heart is the center of everything. The blood has to pass through the heart to get sent out to the other parts of your body. And in the same way, we come together here on Sundays and throughout the week so that we can be sent out, so that we can go and do the work. It's a time of preparation and replenishing. But there's something that's deeper than our understanding about worship too. It's not just about what we can learn or the people that we meet. There's something about worship that seems to surpass our understanding, a way that God works beyond what we can measure. I learned this when I was uh, just a kid on a mission trip. You know, you learn a lot of things on mission trips. And in this case, it wasn't actually out doing the work that I learned something, but rather as we were driving back home from Tennessee. See, our youth director, for whatever reason, decided that the best place for us to stay on Saturday night and to worship on Sunday morning was in a Spanish-speaking church. And none of us spoke Spanish. And yet, on Sunday morning, as we worshipped together, we had translations of the scripture and translations of the songs, and the, the pastor was even kind enough to translate his main points as he preached. But as we worshipped side by side with people who didn't even speak the same language as us, what became abundantly clear 
was that God is working far beyond what we can see. That even if we can't understand fully what's happening in worship, we can be encouraged by the fact that God's work has a magnitude and a breadth far beyond even just our church, far beyond even just our city. Indeed, God's work is spread all throughout the world in the same way that in this concert, I saw people united from different backgrounds around music. In worship, we come together from different backgrounds around Christ. Imagine if a concert has power like that. And trust me, it was a powerful experience to see. If people come together around music, or people come together around sports, or activities, or anything like that, and find meaning, how much more power can we, as God's people, find when we come together around Christ? See, worship is a glimpse not just of what can be, but rather a glimpse of what will be. It's a sign that points us towards God's sanctuary. Because we operate under a high priest in Jesus Christ, not just a person as they did back then, but united under God himself who came and died on our behalf. It's a glimpse of comfort and joy, of safety and love. In worship, we see what it means to know true welcome and true community. But it's not just for us. It's not just a sign for us here on Sunday mornings or in our church. This is good news for everyone. Christ's sacrifice is sufficient for every single person, no matter their past, no matter how lost they are or how lost they feel. Our worship under Christ's priesthood is meant to go beyond this place. It's not just something that happens on Sunday mornings, but rather Sunday mornings prepares us to go and live a life of praise and a life of worship, all of which points back towards heaven, all of which points back towards God. As they say, we're meant to take our worship from the seats of our church into the streets of the world. You see, true worship, genuine worship, is something that as we worship together as a habit, comes to uh, inhabit our entire lives. It flows through every moment and every relationship, every conversation that we have and every work that we do. So I invite you as we go out from here, as people who've been nourished by our relationships with one another, who've come together now to worship God, I invite you to take that worship and carry it out with you as you go. To make it so that everything that you do is an act of praise and that in every moment your life might be for someone else a sign that points back towards God. Thanks be to God. Amen.